Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 the title of today's message is prophetic living and the goal for our time together is that we would acknowledge that the reality of biblical prophecy would cause us to live biblically here in the present and here's how we're going to break down daniel chapter 9 together In the first couple of verses, we're going to see that Daniel has another vision. In verse 3 through 4 and verse 20, we're going to see that the ram represents the Medo-Persian Empire. Verse 5 through 8 and verse 20 through 21, we're going to see that the goat represents the Greek Empire. Verse 9 through 14, the small horn is going to represent a character that we may not be very familiar with. His name is Antiochus Epiphanes. And then in verse 15 through 19, we're going to see that an angel is introduced to help Daniel with this prophecy, with this vision. And then finally in verse 23 through 27, we're going to see this king of fierce countenance. He's going to represent someone that we may know a little bit more about, known as the Antichrist. Now, forecasting and predicting is a really interesting exercise the exercise of taking all the variables of a situation, all of the different components of an event, and trying to calculate a forecast, calculate a prediction. Prediction is an interesting thing. And I want to share with you uh, some other people who thought that they could prophesy. Maybe you were in the same boat. Maybe you were, uh, I'm not saying that you should gamble, nor do I agree with that or condone that, but maybe certain people have bet on maybe a horse race or bet on some situation, bet on a team in a football game or something like that. And they calculated all the variables, all the players, all the events, and they thought that they knew what was going to happen. But how many guys know we think we know what's going to happen and something completely different happens? I want to share with you guys some people who tried to prophesy. King George II said in 1773 that the American colonies had little stomach for revolution. This past Sunday, did we not just celebrate the 245th birthday of America? I think that we stomach revolution for hopefully all the right reasons. An English astronomy professor in early 19th century said that air travel at high speed would be impossible because passengers would suffocate. And yet I would imagine many of us have been on an airplane knowing that that prophecy is false. An official of the White Star Line, speaking of the firm's newly built flagship, the Titanic, launched in 1912, declared that the ship was, you probably know, unsinkable. I don't think they watched the movie, Titanic. 
It was certainly sinkable. In 1939, the New York Times said that the problem of TV was that people had to glue their eyes to a screen and that the average American had no time for that. I wish that were true. It is painful how untrue that prophecy was. In fact, last night, I was reflecting on that a little bit, and how many guys have ever heard of the documentary, The Social Dilemma? I highly encourage all of you to watch The Social Dilemma. It's very insightful with regard to how social media technology really is shaping our generation today. And every generation has certain factors and events that really begin to mark them, and for us, Today in the 21st century, we know that social media technology and specifically the internet as a whole is really shaping this generation. How do we as the people of God continually proclaim the gospel and preach biblical principles in an age like today? And so I'm thankful with all that being said that God does not need to calculate any variables. He knows the beginning from the end all at the same time with unparalleled precision. He prophesies future events for us in his word so that way we can know that prophecy is God's signature in his word to separate it far above anything else within the world, that this certainly is the word of God and you can trust it, right? If God has been 100% faithful in the past, you can trust he will be 100% faithful in the future. And maybe think back to your own life. There's been certain events, certain occasions where God has worked in your life in the past. And maybe you're going through something very, very difficult right now. Could be at work or in your marriage or maybe just internally, personally. And you're thinking, God, what are you doing? Don't you see this? Don't you care? And if we reflect in God's word, we reflect on our experiences in the past, we acknowledge, we come to the conclusion that, yes, God does care. He's walking with you right now. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Notice how the text doesn't say in Psalm 23 that we pitch our camp there and stay in the valley of darkness, in the valley of the shadow of death, but we are walking through it. You know who walks with us? The Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus walks with us. It has been said that we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future something we need to keep near and dear to our hearts. So today we're in Daniel chapter 8, and we have seen in the first seven chapters to give a brief review to bring us up to speed with where you're at. Maybe today is your first Sunday with us. We've been traveling through a series known as the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, Daniel and his friends are removed from Israel. They're now in captivity in Babylon. Daniel 2, Daniel interprets the king Nebuchadnezzar's dream of a statue prophesying future kingdoms. Daniel 3, Daniel's friends are thrown into a fiery furnace for their unwavering devotion to God. And you know what? The Lord stands in the fire with them. Daniel 4, King Nebuchadnezzar was driven to madness, but then he has moments of clarity when his, he gives his life to the Lord, the one true God of Israel, and, and God restores his sanity. Daniel 5, God's handwriting on the wall is interpreted by Daniel and fulfilled regarding the fall of Babylon and now the rise of the Medo-Persian Empire, which we'll see a little bit today. Daniel 6, Daniel is thrown into the lion's den as a result of conspiracy and collusion, but God delivers him. How many of you have ever experienced maybe people conspiring and colluding against you? speaking ill against you, trying to plot against you. And you know what? The Lord stands with you through all of those things. 
Daniel 7, last week, Daniel was given a vision of four animals representing four kingdoms, and Chris did a wonderful job unpacking that passage, and which brings us to today. Hopefully, you have your Bible open to Daniel chapter 8. Let's open up to verse 1 through verse 2. I encourage you to take lots of notes. There's going to be lots of interesting things that we're going to uncover in God's Word this morning. Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 8, verse 1 through 2 Daniel says, In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, after the one that had appeared to me previously. Verse 2, In this vision I saw myself in Susa, the citadel which is located in the province of Elam. In the vision I saw myself at the Ulai Canal. Now, this is where we see Daniel is having another vision. And notice how it says in the third year of Belshazzar. This is about 551 B.C., And it would seem that the events of Daniel 7 and Daniel 8 are right after each other. But we can compare Daniel 7 verse 1 and Daniel 8 verse 1 and know that these events are actually have a two-year gap in between. So something to jot down in your notes, that there's a two-year gap between Daniel 7 and Daniel 8. And notice the location of this vision, Shushan. He was there in the spirit or in a vision similar to how John the Apostle was brought in the spirit or brought in a vision to see the events unfold in the book of Revelation. And Shushan Palace, this place is located about 230 miles east of Babylon. Now it's known as modern-day Shush in Iran. And no, I did not tell you to be quiet. That's just the name of it. It's also known as Susa, and this was the capital of the Elamites. And here's another fun fact for you. Almost 100 years later, after this event in Daniel 8 is where the events of Esther actually take place. So when you turn to the book of Esther, you can see that that's kind of where it continues. Daniel 3 and 4, and then we're also going to jump to verse 20, because we're going to see that an angel, and we'll unpack who he is and other angels as well, but we're going to see that an angel actually here in Daniel 8 interprets this vision for Daniel. So we're going to kind of jump verses just to get the fuller picture of what's going on here. Verse 3 through 4, and then verse 20. I looked up and saw a ram with two horns standing at the canal. Its two horns were both long, but one was longer than the other. The longer one was coming up after the shorter one. I saw that the ram was budding westward, northward, and southward. No animal was able to stand before it, and there was none who could deliver from its power. It did as it pleased and acted arrogantly. And jumping to verse 20, the interpretation, verse 20, the ram that you saw with the two horns stands for the kings of Media and Persia. So the ram represents the Medo-Persian empire, which generally existed between 539 BC to about 332 BC. But you'll notice how there's a distinction here. There's two horns. One is bigger than the other. And horns throughout the Bible are often symbolic of power. And in certain contexts like this, when it's symbolic of kingdoms, the higher horn actually represents the Persians because they were greater than the Medes during this time period. Moving on to verse 5 through 8, and then we're going to see the interpretation in verse 21 through 22. Verse 5 through 8, while I, Daniel, was contemplating all of this, a male goat Coming from the west over the surface of all the land without touching the ground, this goat had a conspicuous horn between its eyes. It came to the two-horned ram that I had seen standing beside the canal and rushed against it with raging strength. 
I saw it approaching the ram. It went into a fit of rage against the ram and struck it and broke off its two horns. The ram had no ability to resist it. The goat hurled the ram to the ground and trampled it. No one could deliver the ram from its power. The male goat acted even more arrogantly, but no sooner had the large horn become strong than it was broken, and there arose four conspicuous horns in its place, extending toward the four winds of the sky. And verse 21 and 22 is the interpretation of that passage. Verse 21, the male goat is the king of Greece, and the large horn between its eyes is the first king. The horn that was broken and in whose place there arose four others stands for four kingdoms that will arise from his nation, though they will not have his strength. Verse 23, toward the end of their rule, when rebellious acts are complete, a rash and deceitful king will arise. So the goat here represents the Greek empire. There's a few different ages that the Greek empire went through. The classical age of Greece existed from about 500 BC to about 323 BC, which ended with the death of Alexander the Great, which is the great horn that this is actually speaking about. And then we see the Hellenistic age of Greece existing from 323 B.C. to 146 B.C. and ended as Greece was now becoming part of the Roman Empire. Some people would then begin to call this the Greco-Roman Empire. After the death of Alexander the Great, as we've been traveling through Daniel, we've uncovered this a little bit with regard to the Greek Empire. After the death of Alexander the Great, we know that his four leading generals divided the kingdom amongst four different areas. Cassander ruled over Greece and its region. Lysimachus ruled over Asia Minor. Seleucus ruled over Syria and Israel, which actually that is going to play into a future passage in Daniel 8. And then Ptolemy ruled over Egypt. Now, we've already come to this conclusion within the book of Daniel, that the accuracy of biblical prophecy would be absolutely impossible unless there was a divine author, unless there was an author who knew the events in future and in detail. Once again, prophecy is God's signature in the Bible. Verse 9 through 12 as we continue on. From one of them came a small horn, but it grew to be very great toward the south and the east and toward the beautiful land. It grew so great it reached the army of heaven, and it brought about the fall of some of the army and some of the stars to the ground, where it trampled them. Verse 11, it also acted arrogantly against the prince of the army from whom the daily sacrifice was removed and whose sanctuary was thrown down. The army was given over along with the daily sacrifice in the course of his sinful rebellion. It hurled truth to the ground and enjoyed success. Now we see a new player being introduced to us. This small horn represents a character named Antiochus Epiphanes. Now, it's easy to mistake this little horn for maybe the Antichrist that we know will come to the scene later on in the future, but we're not quite there yet. Why and how do we know that this is not the Antichrist yet? Well, first of all, this particular king came out of four rulers, whereas we know the Antichrist in the future will come from ten rulers, and that's according to Daniel 7 verse 24. We also know that Daniel's vision of the Antichrist is actually going to come later in verse 23 through 27. So who is Antiochus Epiphanes and what did he do? 
He was a Greek king of the Seleucid Empire who reigned over Syria and had major influence over Israel from about 175 BC to 164 BC. His most famous conflict is known as the Maccabean Revolt. Essentially, Antiochus Epiphanes was trying to eradicate Jewish culture. He was trying to do away with the God of Israel, do away with the Mosaic law. And you can imagine how the Jews responded. He commanded the Jews to stop worshiping the one true God of Israel and to worship Zeus. He even raided the temple in Jerusalem. He set up an altar to Zeus and other pagan gods. And he, then he sacrificed a pig on the altar and began to sprinkle unclean blood on the temple. You can imagine how this went down with the Jews. They were, of course, outraged. They were not going to simply allow this to happen. Antiochus slaughtered tens of thousands of Jews. Some his historians say over 100,000 Jews he slaughtered in this persecution. Though he is not the ultimate Antichrist, he is a foreshadowing of the ultimate Antichrist. He is one of many smaller little a Antichrists. And you know what? They're around today. Because an antichrist is someone who, you can probably guess it, is simply against Christ. And how many of you guys know there are many institutions and ideas, concepts that are anti-Christ. They are against the Lord. They are against his word. They want nothing to do with walking in the spirit, nothing to do with the gospel. And what did the Jews do? They didn't stand for it. They did something about it. They confronted it in the best way that they could. And for us who have different versions, different concepts of antichrist all around us, some of them even within your own phone or on the screen at your house, these different versions of an antichrist, we also need to not just stand idly by and just let the antichrist overtake the things that God wants to do and overtake our life. Rather, we need to confront it, do something about it, acknowledge the problem, see the solution, and execute. Because we're in a war. And people who are in war are not just comfortable and sitting by and wasting time and playing poker in the trenches with their buddies. They are constantly training, constantly preparing, and engaging in combat. The Bible says that when you gave your life to Jesus, yes, you were a friend of God, yes, you're a child of God, yes, you're a temple of his spirit, you know what? You were also, you became enlisted into the army of God. And this war is 24-7. If you clapped, I hope that that means that you are engaged in this war. You see, this is such a serious thing, you guys. Heaven and hell, life and death, demons and angels, eternity is at stake. And yet so many Christians are sleepily just allowing Antichrist to lead and that is not the way that God has called us to live. He's called us to confront, stand up, and engage, whether it be in the family, or in schools, or in politics, or in the workplace, or at the gas station, wherever it might be. We need to engage. We need to engage. We're in a war. You know when peacetime is? It's in heaven. So you can rest then. True retirement, it's not on this earth. It's in heaven. 
So what happened after Antiochus Epiphanes committed these atrocities against the Jewish people? Well, we actually get an idea here as Daniel's vision continues. In verse 13 through 14, Daniel says, Then I heard a holy one speaking. Another holy one said to the one who was speaking, To what period of time does the vision pertain? This vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the destructive act of rebellion and the giving over of both the sanctuary and army to be trampled. Verse 14, he said to me, to 2300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary will be put right again. So what is this prophecy about 2300 evenings and mornings or 2300 days about? Well, if you calculate it, it's about six and a third years. Antiochus desecrated the temple and severely persecuted the Jewish people from about September 171 BC up to December 164 BC. After the Maccabean revolt, which was led by Judah Maccabeus, they drove out the Syrian Greeks, they drove out Antiochus Epiphanes' army from Jerusalem, and once Antiochus Epiphanes died in about 164 BC, we see that the Jewish people did in fact repurify and reconstitute sacrifices at the temple, just as Daniel prophesied here. This event is actually now celebrated today as Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a celebration when the Jews liberated themselves from the tyranny, the oppression, the persecution of Antiochus Epiphanes. Verse 15 through 19 continues on. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision, I sought to understand it. Now one who appeared to be a man was standing before me, and then I heard a human voice coming from between the banks of the Ulai. It called out, Gabriel, enable this person to understand the vision. Verse 17, so he approached the place where I was standing. As he came, I felt terrified and fell flat on the ground. And then he said to me, understand, son of man, that the vision pertains to the time of the end. As he spoke with me, I fell into a trance with my face to the ground, but he touched me and stood me upright. Verse 19, then he said, I am going to inform you about what will happen in the latter time of wrath, for the vision pertains to the appointed time of the end. So Daniel is still in this vision, and he hears someone calling out to the angel Gabriel to give Daniel the interpretation. Now, many people think that there are only three angels named within scripture. Many people also think that there's only three or that there are three archangels mentioned within scripture. We're going to actually unpack this a little bit and clear up both of those things. There are actually four angels that are named throughout the Bible. Throughout the 66 books, 31,000 verses of scripture, there's four angels that are named. The first one is Gabriel. We often see him being the messenger angel. One passage to reference is Luke chapter 1, verse 19. Scripture records him constantly giving messages or interpretations of visions like here within Daniel. Another one is Michael. Scripture records him as being the warrior angel. Every time we see him being recorded in Scripture, he's often in conflict or in battle going to war. A passage to reference is Revelation 12, 7 through 8 and Jude 1, 9. And Michael in the Bible, is the only one that's recorded as an archangel. No other angel within Scripture is recorded as an archangel except for him. Lucifer, who we all know was once an angel as well, was once seemed to be in a high position of heaven, who is now what we would call the chief of demons. 
an important passage to reference with regard to him is Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 15, where we see the five I wills of Satan, where Satan says, I will do this, I will do that, I will rise above the stars of God, and then his final phrase is, I will be like the most high God. And you can just picture it when you put all the biblical data together about Satan. We know that he was created at least before day three of creation because Job says that the angels of God sang for joy when God laid the foundations of the world. He was created before day three of creation. Genesis 3, he's already fallen, and we see that he is now tempting mankind. How did he fall? Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, these five I wills. And what does Jesus say? I saw Satan fall like lightning. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977